Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right. Yes, we work. Testing, testing. Thank <laughs> <laughs> Clark. Um, yeah, we're uh, we're back on. The uh, I, I got a little irritated uh, when the mics didn't work, but uh, not 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 as irritated as um, people around Madison Cawthorn probably are. Outgoing Representative Madison Cawthorn, who has had a bevy of problems. Driving without a license, trying to get a gun through the airport. Um, those seem small and insignificant as compared to what he is facing now. Madison Cawthorn has illegally spent campaign funds and now can't repay supporters. So when he's collecting money, and of course, at one point, I think in his coffers, he had something close to $3 million in his war chest. Yeah, he had a boatload of money for a first. $3.7 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is out of the Washington Examiner and also the um, uh, Daily Caller also co- covered the same story. So when you collect money and someone cuts you a check, there's a maximum amount you can uh, s- send in to the candidate and you've got to designate it for the primary and the general election. Was it like uh, $2,400? Uh, it, it, it changes. I think, more, I think it's more than that now. But, it's, it's, but, but uh, the, there's a certain amount for the primary and a certain amount for the general yeah, election. Yeah, that's right. You're right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just say, okay, here's the full amount. Spend half of it for your primary and half of it for the general election. That's all I can give you. It's full amount, but two different races since you got a primary and a general election. Well, he had that money in his war chest. He ended up spending all of it, and then he lost the primary. <laughs> so theoretically, if he had $3.7 million in his war chest, and, and again, I don't know how much money we're talking about here because uh, some of this might have been carryover money from the previous election. But theoretically, he, he it looks like he spent almost all of it, and he did not win the primary, so he needs to give half of it back to the people who gave it to him. In other words, he needs to return that money. That's, that's the federal law. He can't because he doesn't have it because he spent it. And now, he probably did spend a, a fair amount on his primary because they had a tough primary mm-hmm. but he also went through and spent a lot of money on a lot of things that had nothing to do with the primary documents from early may indicate he had roughly $137,000 on hand and owed $325,000 in debt at the time per the outlet um Specifics on his current financial predicament are not clear. A source argued that his primary campaign was rife with all kinds of ridiculous spending, such as $3,000 at Papa's Beer, $21,000 for lodging accommodations in Florida. His campaign also racked up excessive consulting fees, the main source of his funding woes, according to one source. Nobody ever did the math. Which baffled me, said the source. By May 5th, his campaign had 2% of the $3.7 million 
it had amassed since January of 2021, according to the outlet. So he won in 2020. And, you know, as soon as you get into as soon as you're a victor and and get a place in in Congress, I mean, all kinds of lobbying money comes in. Mm -hmm. So he had he had a war chest of three point seven million by May. You only had 2% of it left. Wow. Yeah. So in other words, like, like the maximum individual contribution, what is it, like $4,500 yeah, or something some, like that? Somewhere around 5000 Yeah. So, yeah so, so if I'm in a tough primary I, I need that, you know, that I know I could possibly lose, um, I, I need to like kind of put some of that in reserve and just say it's a, a contingency that I might have to pay it back. And he just spent it all, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And what did – did I see that he was like upside down, like maybe four hundred thousand dollars, or or quite a bit of money? That, um, uh, or maybe it was four hundred thousand of what they're saying is personal or something. Yeah, I, I, I saw you know, I saw one article that, that seemed one, like one article says he owes three hundred twenty five thousand. Okay. But mm-hmm. uh, again, I it, it's not real clear. Does that mean uh, that is additional debt that he hasn't paid for? In other words, it might be three hundred twenty five thousand plus. Right. What he owes to the contributors. Mm-hmm. So if you again, if if the maximum amount for the primary and the general election was let's say five thousand, you give him a check for five thousand. Well, he's got to spend twenty five hundred on the primary and twenty five hundred on the general, and uh, didn't happen because uh, he didn't win the primary. Be kind of interesting to see too. And I mean, I, I don't have any information; hadn't seen anything, but. Uh he talks about the consulting fees being high and, you know, exactly who are these consultants? Because, you know, we, we see all the time oh, yeah. from campaigns, particularly on the Democrat side. Yeah. Well, guess what? They paid their consultant uh, who happens to be their wife, their wife or husband or best friend from college, two and a half million dollars. You know, so it'd be kind of interesting to see what happens if they do a full audit on this issue. Well, and, and again, this guy has got all kinds of issues. Um, reports of Cawthorn's campaign troubles are just the latest string of controversies surrounding the outgoing congressman. In April, a group issued a complaint that he had an inappropriate relationship with a staffer. He also faced scrutiny over whether he breached insider trading laws when he promoted an alleged uh, currency. Um, he spent money at a lecture, uh, luxury resort, uh, t- took guns into the airport, was pulled over, didn't have a proper driver's license. Um, there was all kinds of videos released with him um, doing perverted things with another man. And yeah, it was all yuck, yuck. It was it was supposed to be a big joke. Yeah, said there was other other people in Congress that was asking, invited him to orgies yeah, and things uh, like orgies that. Orgies and drug cocaine, parties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a mess. Uh, he is a mess, and he's an embarrassment to the conservative movement. I mean, and listen, people have gotten upset with me because I've called him to task. But, I, I mean, the, the guy is an embarrassment. Thank you know, goodness he's out of there. You, you know, early on, uh, I guess Mark Meadows hired him to work in his in his office when he was in Congress. And then I guess, you know, then I guess Mark. Uh, when he dropped out at the last minute and what he had – was it a – I think it was a female. I don't remember Yeah, I don't who think he endorsed Cawthorn. No, he I didn't endorse it, yeah. Cawthorn. It was, it was someone else. Uh, you're right. It was a female. Like he backed out at the last minute just to, so he could he could kind of – so nobody would you know could run down and, and register because they didn't know he was going to back out to the last minute. So, But I wonder what – you know, I wonder what turned Mark Meadows against him when he clearly supported him early on in terms of hiring him and that type of thing, maybe just a family friend or something, but he, he maybe, maybe he saw, you know, he saw behind the scenes like this guy's a, this guy's a wreck. 
Well, you know, when he came down to Greenville, when we had the we hosted the state uh, Republican uh-huh. Party convention, um, we were setting up, and you know, we uh, had had a number of folks in. We interviewed that day. We Mark, Mark uh, Robinson. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we interviewed uh, Speaker Tim Moore. And I'd actually invited uh, Madison Cawthorn to see if oh, he wanted I remember. to come on. Yeah, and his his people was, just, was like, "We don't have time for you." Yeah, he's a big shot. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's a big shot. We're not we're not going to come on your radio program. <laughs> this is Madison Cawthorn you're talking about. Not so big shot now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, we talked about it when it was when it was happening. He, um, you know, I hate to say it, but. It, and and I value the people. I value the opinion of young people, of people of all ages, all walks of life, and value the opinion of young people because you know they got, you know they may think a little differently than I do. But you know I think they kind of promoted him pretty too quickly in the Republican Party without doing enough vetting of him. I mean at the RNC, uh, I mean he gave one of the best speeches in a long time at the RNC. You know mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. RNC, and I guess. Um, he had a good speechwriter, apparently. Yeah, I had a good speechwriter, and he could, you know, he could deliver it. But you know, maybe you need to do a little more due diligence before you start promoting somebody. Somebody just texted us saying uh, Mark Meadows endorsed his wife's best friend over Cawthorn. Okay, so maybe I knew, a, maybe I knew. a little pressure there on Mark Meadows at the time, <laughs> honey. <laughs> <laughs> Carolina Journal is reporting. Uh, this is actually a story that came out uh, late Friday. Senator Tom Tillis is among a bipartisan group of 16 senators that have proposed to reform the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Susan Collins and Joe Manchin led the negotiations that introduced two proposals, which include legislation to reform and modernize the Electoral Count Act of 1887 to ensure that the electoral votes tallied by Congress accurately accurately reflect each state's vote for the president. Now, I, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I mean, it probably should be reviewed. But as I look at the names on this list of, quote, the bipartisan group that is reviewing it, it scares the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. Pardon my bluntness. Um, Tillis, Collins, and Manchin, they're the first three. Rob Portman, who at one time I thought was a pretty solid conservative, I wonder now. Kristen Cinema of Arizona. Mitt Romney. Jan uh, Sheehan, Lisa Murkowski, Mark Warner, Chris Murphy, all Democrats, uh, Shelley Capito from West Virginia, Ben Cardin from Maryland, he's a super lib, uh, Todd Young from Indiana. I don't know who Todd Young is, I have to admit. Uh, Chris Coons from Delaware, bad news. Uh, ben Sass, <laughs> barely a Republican, and Lindsey Graham. Mm. I, I, I mean, uh, are, are these the people that I – mean, is, is there any names in there that you know is a solid conservative? Well, I think the difference now is, uh, you know, I, I'm a person that I like to think I'm in the middle on issues sometimes. But today's Democrat Party is not someone that you can just go go along to get along with because they have become so radical. Yeah. I, I hate to say it, but you – I mean, you can't trust them. I mean, this is the same party and the same individuals that you just noticed that, that you just noted on the Democrat side. Look, these are the same people that are paying you know, millions of dollars for Mark Elias to go around states yeah. and and circumvent the constitution of these states' election laws. Right. If you want to fix this and cause 
what happened this election not to happen, stop that stuff. Yes. So thank you. So to me, uh, Tom <laughs> yeah, Tillis, this, I'd like to see. I'd like to see what you're siding with them with. Why don't you go in there and stand up and say why are DNC? Why are you letting this happen? And like my home state of North Carolina. Appreciate, it, brother. Uh, and you're you are right on. I mean, these are the people that are causing the problems, and now you talk about the fox in charge of the hen house. Yeah. And now we said, well, hey, you know what? We know there was issues last time. Let us fix it. And and in fact, let's go hire Mark Elias to to uh, chair the. You know, let's let's be on. You know, we'll be nonpartisan. We'll hire Mark Elias to take care of it. Yeah, and I, and I stand corrected if if Tom Tillis stood up and screamed to the top of his lungs about what was going on in his home state of North Carolina, but I don't remember it. Um, and you know, it's. Uh, I mean, not that the senator can necessarily affect it, but he sure can. He's got the ability to get in front of Mike and say, hey, these Democrats are trying to steal elections state by state by state, including my state. Yeah, I mean, as you look at these uh, names, uh, you know, the the Republicans are, again, I don't know who Todd Young is, um, but if if Todd Young is anything like Miss Lisa Murkowski, the most conservative person in, in, in this committee is Tom Tillis. And, uh, boy, I, I, you're right. I mean, can you, tr- can you trust these Democrats on here to do the right thing? Ugh. Yeah, Todd Young's, <laughs> no pun intended, it's pretty young. Now, he's 49, but he, uh, he just became a senator in Indiana in 2017. So he's uh, – now I see his picture. I've seen him. But I hadn't heard a lot from Todd Young, really. He's a, he's a former uh, Navy and Marine guy. So. Okay. PJ Media is reporting on that shooting down at the uh, Dallas Love Field Airport in Dallas. Apparently some woman went into a restroom, came out brandishing a gun and firing at the ceiling, and police responded accordingly, shooting the woman in the lower extremities. Paramedics took the woman to nearby Parkland Hospital. No injuries have been uh, reported other than to the shooter. NBC uh, in Dallas reported that the Dallas Chief of Police Eddie Garcia said the woman, identified only as a 37-year-old, was dropped off at the airport just before 11 a.m. and that once inside she went into a restroom and changed her clothes. Garcia said the woman exited the restroom wearing a hoodie, pulled out a gun, and started firing several shots. Most of the shots, Garcia said, appeared to be directed toward the ceiling. It sort of sounds like uh, suicide by police shooting. Yeah, it does. That sounds a little eerie to me. Uh, Authorities evacuated the passengers from the airport. Cell phone video shared with NBC5 showed travelers on the ground behind chairs at the gates and sheltering in place while the shooting unfolded, according to NBC in Dallas. The investigation is ongoing, and Garcia says he expects elements to change as more is learned about what happened. Agents with the Dallas FBI field office were seen at the airport along with Dallas police. You know, perhaps if we could get some serious laws preventing people from taking guns inside the airport terminals, we wouldn't have. Oh, never mind. <laughs> just, just, just saying. Uh, that's the airport where Kennedy landed. Yeah, on yeah, assassination. Yeah. That was the. Wasn't that the the um, Kennedy movie called? Uh, oh yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. What was it, Dallas Love or Love Dallas or yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the Biden White House is um, really trying their best to 
change the narrative to make themselves look good, which is a tall task. Interestingly, in, in terms of gas prices, they're now releasing these little memes. This is right out of the White House. And, and what's interesting is the, the memes just said, at current prices, the average driver will spend $35 or less per month on gasoline for one person or one person. <laughs> who is this? Who checks these things? The White House releases this. They spelled the word person, P E S O N, or $70 or less for a family. I actually think two cars. Actually, you know, Joe's had some time on his hands the last few days. He actually might have tweeted at himself. Good possibility. <laughs> he was thinking about something else he should be doing right then, and then he, when he was tweeting that, I got to go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, they're saying, hey, you're going to spend thirty five dollars or less if you're one person or seventy dollars less if you're family with two cars than you would at the price where the gasoline prices peaked. Um, one Republican, uh, August uh, Fluger from Texas, changed the, the meme to say um, at current gas prices, the average driver will spend $109.30 more per month for one person and $218.60 for a family with two cars than they would before Joe Biden was elected as president. <laughs> this is from the same crew that say, hey, the president and Joe Biden – can affect gas prices. That's market-driven, yeah, yeah, several market-driven yeah. conditions. <laughs> now that the price goes down because of market-driven conditions, oh, that's Joe Biden's doing. you got to be a complete idiot to believe anything comes out of the White House. Well, I, and then what's interesting is, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. You do have to be a complete idiot because there are a lot of Democrats out there right now that are just saying, hey, hey, bud, um, yeah, we're, we're trying our best to uh, defend you, but we can't, we, we can't buy into it either. <laughs> well, if you're looking for idiots, we live in a target-rich world, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> so, but the other narrative they're changing now is what constitutes a recession. Mm. The Biden administration is preemptively downplaying concerns about the state of the economy ahead of the second quarter GDP growth data, which is to be released on Thursday. And they know it's going to be bad because now they're saying, well, you know, two quarters in a row with uh, negative GDP growth. Uh, does that really mean we're in recession? Eh, probably not. Um, they're, they're coming out now and saying, look, it can't possibly be a recession because we are creating almost 400,000 jobs a month. What, first of all, wait a minute. You have created? <laughs> you know, this is, this is again, they're change, changing the narrative. Now, now, remember, we lost all kinds of jobs under the false narrative of the COVID pandemic, which isn't it interesting now. We have all kinds of, uh, what was that uh, one Dr. Burke? Yeah, she came out Dr. over the Scarf, weekend. Scarf Lady. Yeah, mm -hmm. she came out over the weekend and said, uh, uh, "You know, basically, we've been lying to you. Uh, yeah, there's no possibility that this um, vaccine and the boosters were going to keep you from getting COVID." Uh, there's a story out today that Fauci wish we had a stronger lockdown. 
But anyway, so they, they lock down. They tell people you can't go to work. Then they turn around and start paying people not to go to work. And there was a lot of people that said, eh, the heck with it. I quit. And uh, and you had others who were working at home. And when the, the boss said, hey, we want you to come back into the office, they said, nah, forget it. I quit. And so there's this, this huge amount of jobs that have no one working in them. And uh, slowly, we're seeing those people realize, okay, I'm going to have to go back to work. And this is, the, this is the scenario of which the Biden administration says, look, we've created 400,000 jobs a month. <laughs> you know, and, and Yellen, Yellen is a prime example of, of Democrats. Janet Yellen. Well, think about it. Yeah, you know, Yellen is a lifetime uh, educator, lifetime uh, government worker. But prior to becoming Treasury Secretary, she was the Fed chairman, which – you know, which is appointed position by the president. That 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 almost never happens when they go back in a a treasury secretary is a political, a true political appointment. Right. I mean, that almost never happens for the to go backwards like that. I mean, you knew she was a lib just some of the comments she made, but now you have somebody that ran the Fed is now you know running the policy, the financial policy, treasury policy side for the country. You, you never see that on the Republican side. Uh, another example in the current Biden administration, um, Merrick Garland, attorney general. Attorney general is a political appointment. Well, Merrick Garland was a federal judge his entire career that, that you know, if it wasn't for basically Mitch McConnell, he'd be sitting uh, sitting in the Supreme Court right now. Yeah. So now he is in an entirely political position and arguably the most political-driven attorney general other than Eric Holder in the history of the country. Yeah, I'd say so. I even but, he might even beat Eric Holder. Now Eric Holder was was you know, I mean, he was aggressively I mean, what Obama called him his wingman. Yeah. But the amount of well, I guess I guess Eric Holder's just Yeah, I don't think he can handle Canada yeah. Eric yeah. Holder no, yet, but no, he's no. he's up there. But but then we can apply that to here in North Carolina. Democrat judge Jerry Beasley that was the Appointed, appointed by Roy Cooper Good to be point. Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, which Good he kind of he kind of changed policy, you know, to check the box. He was a black female, so he wanted to take credit for that. And then when she loses, what does she do? She run, she runs for Senate. So that I mean, her her bench record when she got on the Supreme Court proved that she was a partisan, biased, uh, heck with the Constitution judge. But immediately, as soon as you leave the bench, you run for Senate in the Democrat Party. Yeah. But that's that's the trend you're seeing seeing yeah. in the in yeah. the uh, Democrat Party. Uh, well, and it's a yeah, a very closed society. Yeah. If, if you're not on the inside loop, eh, we're not really interested in it. I mean, it's it's almost like you know, have you taken the vow? Have you have you uh, kissed the ring of the Pope? And uh, are you going to you know lay down your life for the uh, the uh, <laughs> communist cause? And, and uh, the current administration, you don't kiss the ring; you allow him to sniff you. <laughs> <laughs> You have to be sniffable. The Heritage Foundation made the point, dating all the way back to the end of World War II, a recession has been declared every single time. Every single time the economy experiences negative growth for two consecutive quarters. Mm. And now the Biden administration says, no, 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 we'll change the rules. And I've seen some other, um, I guess, benchmarks for for declaring – not declaring a recession, but pointing to recession when you start looking at certain commodity prices – that had fallen 
um, it tells you a recession is looming. Like I think copper's one, and for instance, and copper's kind of plummeting here recently. You know, because copper is a u- utility yeah. metal, not necessarily precious. So uh, I don't know. Doesn't 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 good. bode well. Mm-mm. Not at all. Hey, listen, we got to take a time out. Stay with us. More news and views for a Monday coming right up. heroics this uh brandon she what does he play well mr president they're not um folks let's hear it for brandon what a job he's doing let's go brandon now back to news and let's news go on 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in taking a quick look at your weather forecast a stray shower or thunderstorm is possible tonight Low around 76. Tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms in the evening and a chance of rain tomorrow's 50%. Wednesday is uh, clouds, some sunshine, stray shower. I mean, the typical typical summer weather where it gets hot and it's humid and you're going to get a thunderstorm. We hope because we need the rain. The news uh, and weather sponsored by Goldbond. Uh, not really. <laughs> it's a go bond type of week. <laughs> Sweating it. The um, folks down in Texas found out that uh, green energy isn't quite as clean as it is claimed to be. Did you see that big wind turbine down in northern Texas got struck by lightning? Mm-hmm. And the thing exploded into flames. And, I mean, you talk about dirty, sooty smoke coming off this thing. And it, it kept turning until finally one blade had completely burned up. Then the the unit, I, I guess, the, you know, at the, at the base of the fans that, that turns, it caught on fire. I mean, it looked like. Did you ever remember the the film Frankenstein, the original film, mm-hmm. when they they all the villagers come and all the locals trap Frankenstein inside the old windmill and set it on fire? It looked like a modern day version <laughs> of that film. But the idea of clean energy, not no, not too good on that one. Uh, nothing clean about all that smoke coming off there. The um, uh, I, once again, and and Joe wants to uh, put these uh, wind turbines uh, all in the, to the Gulf and uh, off the coast. And again, you know, if we were totally dependent upon the w- wind turbines, um, it would even be hotter than it is right now. And by the way, over in Europe, and listen, I'm not I'm not pushing the global warming thing. You have hot summers and you have pleasant summers. Uh, over in Europe, it's a very very hot summer. And, you know, there are very few people out there or very few uh, businesses and hotels in certain parts of Europe that even have air conditioning. But in France, the French Minister of Energy Transition (laughs) – I didn't know there was such a post, but there is. There's a Ministry of Energy Transition. He has now told shops that if you turn your air conditioning on, you will be fined. (laughs) Now, stop and think about this. Now, it's, again, they'll they'll blame everything on Putin and the war in Ukraine. 
I mean, they'll be blaming that for as long as they can milk it. But stop and think about the fact that right now the United States could be the hero of the story. Mm-hmm. And we could be making money hand over fist. Yes, I'm just uh, – I'm one of those stinking capitalists that would like to see our country uh, in the green and not in the red. And uh, that would be one of the ways that we could possibly get closer to being back in the black or the green, depending on how you want to color it. But um, instead, you have countries like France. And listen, I, I mean, Joe has no credibility. And I don't think there's a lot of people around the world that necessarily like Joe. And when they don't like Joe, they don't like America. And you know what? Right now, there's probably a lot of people in France that are murmuring at Joe for his policies that uh, under Trump, we started to become a exporter of energy. And uh, not that way now because of the, uh, the Biden administration. Well, you know, when Trump was in office, you know, the Democrats always like to point to the fact that, you know, you know, the world didn't respect this because of Trump. The Europeans didn't support blah, blah, blah. Same old story. But they didn't like Trump because they're finally holding NATO's feet to the fire. It's like, hey, we're financing the entire world's security, and it's time for you guys to step up. Now, now with Joe Biden, I think they seriously just say, what in the heck is America electing yeah. a guy that can't even complete a sentence or hold a thought in his head? I mean, it's... They, they've got a behind closed doors when when no other um, U.S. officials around. They got to be saying, "Can you believe what's going on?" Which also makes you wonder: Are they also saying, "Can you believe that that was a legitimate election?" <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. Or or are Americans really that that many stupid Americans? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, the maybe they think that might be maybe yes. they think that. The Washington Examiner is reporting that the FBI's investigation into Hunter Biden wrongly labeled verified evidence as disinformation. That's the headline from the Washington Examiner. Let me explain it to you. Senator Chuck Grassley's office has received numerous whistleblower reports from within the FBI talking about the fact that the FBI the head honchos at the FBI have basically looked at the allegations against Hunter Biden and they decided that they would go out of their way to make sure that they were labeled as disinformation. Grassley revealed the claim after his office received a significant number of protected communications from highly credible whistleblowers about the investigation. Grassley claimed one of the communications shows verified and verifiable derogatory information on Hunter Biden was falsely labeled as disinformation. FBI Supervisory Intelligent Agent Brian Alton opened in August of 2020 the assessment that was later used by the agency according to the disclosures. One of the whistleblowers claimed the FBI Assistant Special Agent in charge of the Washington Field Office, Timothy Thibault, shut down a line of inquiry into Hunter Biden in October of 2020, despite some of the details being known to be true at the time. A whistleblower also said Thibault ordered closed an avenue of an additional derogatory Hunter Biden reporting. According to Grassley, even though all of the reporting was either verified or verifiable via criminal search warrants, the senator said that Thibault ordered the matter closed without providing a valid reason as required, as required, 
and that FBI officials subsequently attempted to improperly mark the matter in FBI systems so that it could not be reopened in the future. Whistleblowers allege investigators from an FBI headquarters team were in communication with FBI agents responsible for the Hunter Biden information targeted by Mr. Alton's assessment and that their findings on whether the claims were true or disinformation were placed in a, quote, restricted access subfile in September of 2020, according to the senator. Now, remember, this was before Hunter Biden was elected in November. Joe Biden. What is that? Hunter Biden. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm getting the CNN Joe. I thought you were going to say you really should before <laughs> Barack Obama was elected in November. Because <laughs> I think he was. That's true, too. Um, the new information comes after Alton was involved in the Trump-Russia investigation, including interview uh, interviewing Igor Denchenko, uh, the alleged main source for the British ex-spy Christopher Steele's dossier in 2017, Congressional sources confirmed to the Washington Examiner that Alton is the supervisory intel agent from the DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz 2019 report on Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act abuse. Grassley said the volume and consistency of the whistleblower's allegations substantiate their credibility. The claims comes as the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware is reportedly nearing a decision on whether to charge Hunter Biden, who has denied any wrongdoing. Again, the fox in charge of the hen house. It's unbelievable. And yet um, you, you, you sit there and you wonder, okay, why hasn't Hunter Biden, you know, why is it taking so long? Why is it that none of the Clintons were ever, you know, uh, brought it into question, you know, with their Clinton Foundation, with all the people that just happened to turn up dead around the Clintons? Nothing ever happens. Yeah, and what's unfortunate, you know, you can expect lies – Within the deep state, I mean, it's it's apparent that there's a deep state now, now that's, that's uh, you know clearly in the Democrats' corner. But you would think one one person in the news media, other you know they yeah. they threw I can't remember the young lady's name with the New York Post that broke the story about the yeah. laptop. Yeah. But you know they raked her over a coal, said all sorts of things about her, and you know these are supposed to be colleagues, and they, and they just did just. You know, drank the Kool-Aid that, that the uh, Democrats were pushing out there about the laptop story early on. And just because it was only, what, 30, 45 days before the election, it, so it clearly proved to them, to the, to the world, that there, there are no journalists that are objective at all because that, that evidence was just – it was there. I mean, what, what does this guy – what has this guy got to gain by saying he's got a laptop for when he knew it was going to ruin his life, and it pretty much did? And now, you know, they're finally had to admit to it. But why, if the FBI had it so, for so long, why hadn't they done anything? Yeah. I mean, what? They've had it for, what, three years? Had it, what, a year before the election or yeah. something, I think? Yeah. 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 It was – and uh, I, I, you cannot look at that situation and not say that there isn't bias. I mean, it's it's so evident. And yet Democrats will sit back and just like the <clears throat> January 6th committee, they'll, you know – Say the moon is made of cheese, and oh yeah, oh yeah, that's oh yeah, that's and they can't argue with that. Well, I think now that you're starting to see more and more people talk about it from the sources that that bought the uh, BS from before. I think I think now the Democrat parties, I think they're going to tell Jill Biden and say, "Look, you got to get Joe to step down, or we're going to make your life miserable." By the way, speaking of the January 6th committee, over the weekend, 
Liz Cheney said, you know what? I haven't ruled out the possibility that I'm going to run for president in 2024. (laughs) Which she'll be looking for work, so that's a good possibility. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, admitted on Sunday the public schools, the healthcare system, and the infrastructure are going to be inundated with the influx of migrants from the U.S.-Mexican border. Now, what's interesting about this is who he blames. He says, quote, our system was inundated with those who were seeking shelter because of the callousness of the states that pushed them out. We're here. We're receiving them. And everyone is going to have to be on board, Adam says. We can't have the historical, I believe they should be housed, but just don't house them on my block. Everyone's block is going to be impacted by this. So he doesn't blame Joe Biden, who is at taxpayers' expense, taking these illegals, putting them in taxi cabs, driving them to airports, and then flying them literally all over the United States. No, this guy, this new mayor, I mean, everybody thought, oh, he's an ex-police officer. This guy will have a little bit of common sense. Apparently not. Instead, he blames the callousness of the states that pushed them out. (laughs) (laughs) can't make it up so in other words it was up to eric anderson hey you jackasses down in texas just just take it on the chin Mm -hmm. don't expect us to help you how dare you send these people you're so callous yeah and protecting the united states borders is not a responsibility of the state number one you know they they can't well it is now (laughs) oh it is now but it shouldn't be i mean it's uh and it's costing the taxpayers of Texas and the other border states, Arizona and others, it's costing them a fortune because of all the things they're dealing with, Especially, particularly these small towns in places like Texas. They can't they can't handle this. Their services can't handle it, and certainly their police and fire and everything else can't handle it. It's just – Well, but, I mean, part of the thoughts from the Biden administration is probably, hey, you know, take them to New York. We can put in – probably a couple hundred thousand of these illegals into New York and nobody's it's going to be a drop in the bucket Mm -hmm. Uh, in a small little town in Texas. Yeah, it'll be overwhelming and it'll be very, very obvious. And we don't want it to be obvious. We want to introduce these people into our society, hope they vote Democrat and uh, and just just keep your mouth shut. Well, sooner or later, New York will figure out just like they have with other people. They'll start sending them to North Carolina because they figure it's cheaper to house them in North Carolina than to get them on their Medicaid uh, rolls listen, and everything else. And that's, that was done. That's been done. Yeah. I, I do not think that Eastern North Carolina is exempt from this. You're going to see that this is going to affect Eastern North Carolina as it's going to affect all parts of the United States. And it's your president, Joe Biden. Well, the guy that claims to be your president, Joe Biden, it, it rusted his feet. Ghislaine Maxwell, the uh, madam of uh, the uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the sexual pervert uh, who hung himself in jail, she has now been sent down to the Tallahassee Federal Correction Institute, which houses about 755 female inmates. And apparently um, when she wants something to do she can go take a pilates uh, class she can there's art classes there's all kinds of things that she can do it sounds basically if you read the description 
She wears a uniform of uh, a white shirt and khaki pants, practices yoga, Pilates, go out and play flag football if she wants to, uh, popular indoor recreation opportunities, artwork, hobby craft programs, talent shows. Uh, she can spend $360 at the commissary, uh, offers toiletries, uh, all kinds of snacks, uh, uh, all kinds of goodies. And um, you ask yourself, wait a minute, how, how does she get this deal? Mm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm speculating here, but I'm pretty certain I'm right on this. Remember she said, if I go down, I'm going to name names. <laughs> Yeah, she was sentenced to 20 years, right? 20 years. 20 yeah. years for sex trafficking and not one disclosure of a client in the court, in the court, yeah. in the trial proceedings. Yeah. That's odd. That's a little odd. Yeah. 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 <laughs> would you not think you, we would, we would hear about those people that, uh, no, re- were yeah. participants. Yeah. No release of a client list. No 20, uh, no, no Prince 20, Andrew, no, no, no Bill Clinton. No, you know, and who, who knows who all or no, uh, nationally televising the trial like they did the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. 